All right. Thank you for coming back. So uh, welcome. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. Time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over your science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where the magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. Uh, I'll be riding solo tonight because they've got a short 30-minute deadline, so it'll be a quick podcast. And that means too many hosts will slow it down. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So first we've got... Uh, Mr. Mike Lafferty, the one, the only. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I am the Midwestern Salsa Dancing Champion. And, oh, freaking uh, standing. Husky Caucasian Division. You got to speci specify that last part. Um, but no, sorry, that was a lot funnier in my head. Uh, in all seriousness, I run Fading Go Games and the BAMP podcast, where you and I have met uh, several times, JR. And um, we're here to talk about a... Um, Adventure pack called Tales from the Trail, uh, which is supporting our big book from a couple years back at the after, uh, sort of a Western post-apocalypse. So that's All a right. short printer. And introduce yourself, sir, Mr. Sean Noakes. Oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I, I'm a big fantasy nerd by trade. Been doing it since the 80s, uh, which, you know, frightens some people, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was able to uh, put all the words in this book, this wonderful book, which I've got right here, the after. All right, so, hold on, hold on, hold on. I will make you solo so you can show it. There oh, you go. Check it out. Yeah. This, this is a beautiful print-on-demand book. You can still get a copy through uh, DriveThruRPG if you want one. Uh, also, uh, one of the uh, levels of our current Kickstarter, you can get the PDF if, if you want to dip your toes in the water a little bit and see what you think. And that'll all be linked in the show notes um, for, for everybody. Um, I'm going to take a second because we're going to dive right in because we've got a 30-minute uh, deadline uh, on account of kids needing to be tucked in. So, uh, Sorry about I'm that. Hey, it happens. I'm going to. You guys are going to be booted for just a second. I'm going to show them a little bit of something so they can see what kind of art they can expect. So uh, forgive me for the taste of music. I literally prepared this like 10 minutes ago, and it was the first uh, first free music I could find in uh, Wondershare when I was making this video. So forgive me, people. Um, we thought we had more time, so I was trying to trying to make it easy for everybody. Um, so we got to do this. So first, uh, normally I would tell you how we everybody met them, but since it's just me, I'm meeting Sean for the first time, and I just like everybody else. And uh and as Mike said, we uh, we sometimes um, I'm on his podcast, the Banff podcast, uh, and it's exciting. Um, so we've got to do this because it's your first time here. So we've got the religion question, Sean. Star Trek, Star Wars, or Firefly? Oh, well, man, I, I don't own any Star Trek or Star Wars shirts. Just saying. Oh, nice. <laughs> I approve. I approve. And uh, Mike, same question. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one, JR. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up watching Star Trek with my dad, but um, I'm actually enjoying watching Star Wars a lot more these days with my kid, mainly the Mandalorian. Um, 
so yeah, I guess I have to say Star Wars, but when you say Star Wars, there's an asterisk, right? Because you want to say, I like this part of it, but I don't care so much for this other show over here. So. If, if it's a religion, there's a little bit of a schism, I think, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And now we've got the, because we're polytheistic, we've got the next one. Game of Thrones, Lord of the Ring, or the Potterverse? Oh, man. I'll let you go first, Sean. I mean, the, the purist in me wants to say Lord of the Rings because it was some of, some of the first full-length novels I ever read. Can I can I vote Game of Thrones minus season eight? Sure. Pretend the ending is just around the corner and you're still waiting. That's how Star Wars fans feel. So you got to pick and choose with a lot of these franchises. Um, even with the Lord of the Rings stuff, I don't. I pretend that like the last two Hobbit movies didn't happen, and I'm a lot happier. So. <laughs> All right, so normally we have these uh, long, drawn-out questions where we can get to know them and their thought process on the genres of science fiction and fantasy, how that evolved in them writing RPGs. But uh, we're going to jump right to the questions about the after, since since we do have that time crunch. Um, so first, we're going to we're going to ask you some some RPG topics. So as a designer, how do you guys go about creating immersive worlds that have all the kind of details to flush it out that everyone wants? without stifling the creativity of the end user. Um, Sean, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it really helped that uh, John treated me the same way uh, when it came to making the after. Uh, John Gibbons is our artist, and the setting was was his brainchild. He came up with the basic idea and then basically turned me loose with a jetpack and said, make it fly. Um, and when, when I went in there to st start getting crazy and building things and making stuff, I really wanted to make a framework that people could play games in, even if they didn't play the same way I did. And I, I think the best designers recognize that not everyone approaches a game book the same way. Uh, so, I mean, if you really like to play it like D&D &D and kill everything you meet, you can. Uh, if you're interested in collaborative uh, uh storytelling and community building you can do that if it's about exploration we've got all kinds of that stuff in the book i i, I tried to make enough useful stuff in there for all kinds of gamers yeah i i think maybe we should talk about well no that was a good question but if we're talking about the after we're really talking about um the specific tone is a western frontier post-apocalypse and um, you try to make that basic vibe as accessible in many different play styles, as Sean was talking about. If you want to be a murder hobo, you can go kill some dudes. It's, uh, you know, there's plenty of Westerns, the Wild Bunch, just to name one, where that's been, you know, what, what goes on. If you want to do more exploration or more, you know, hey, we're building towards a future, you know, more of a, it's grim and gritty, but there's an aspirational future, you know, you can play that kind of mode too. And everything in between. So. Okay. So what makes the after in the wild, you know, genre of RPGs and more specifically the Western sort of set of that, what makes the after different? What makes it special? Well, we tried to slide into a, a little bit of the, a niche that we didn't think had been done yet. It is a post-apocalyptic game in, in that it's set in our current world. Uh, th there was an alien invasion in 2020 uh, where humanity basically got wiped out. A bunch of other terrible things happened, but our game takes place after that, thus the title. Uh, and it's in an area that isn't blasted like you see in Mad Max. It isn't full of ghosts like you see in Deadlands. It isn't completely destroyed. There's food, there's water, there's shelter. Maybe not always quite enough. There is a struggle, but it's not that grim, terrible, count every bullet, count every moldy old cracker in your backpack kind of game. 
Okay. Um, what about you, Mike? Is that does that jive for you? You want to add anything? I think you covered it pretty well. Okay. So the reason we guys had you on is because the after is the um, is the universe. It's run on the what engine did you did you use to design the game? Savage Worlds, uh, the new adventure edition. Okay. So for for everyone that's not a gamer, can you give a, a general rundown of what makes that system? Um, unique, I guess, for what they might be familiar with. He can. <laughs> Delegation. This is a sign of leadership, sir. Well done. Yeah, Savage Worlds is a great game. Um, I really like it because it allows you to quickly build characters that are interesting and different from one another. Um, but also the dice system is very swingy. The, one of the big things about Savage Worlds is it has exploding dice. If you roll the highest number on a die, it explodes and adds up. You know, you roll an eight on that D8, you get to add and roll again, uh, which means that unlike some game systems, you never know what's going to happen when you roll the dice. You go into combat with someone and they explode a damage roll and good night. Uh, it, it makes every combat and every action scene exciting. Okay. And the reason we brought you here was because you have an expansion pack for the after. So the after is the RPG. It's available on our drive through RPG, as you mentioned, in ebook uh, e or printed copy. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about the expansion pack, which is where the art came from that I showed earlier? Uh, yeah, it's um, going to be a, an adventure pack. We had three planned, and one more has been locked on stretch goals. And, um, you know, I've got three descriptions of these adventures. Uh, we did a dramatic reading of these the other night, and that was pretty fun. You want to do that again, Sean? Oh, sure. Okay. You mind if I share the page, uh, Jr.? Not at all. All right. Cool. Let's um, let's do it. I'll warm up my Shatner. <clears throat> all right. Can we all see that? Yep. Uh, we'll we'll make it the big thing so they can it's, see. It's it. the big thing. All right. Um, you want to do the first one, Sean, or I can do the first one, or we can trade it off. I want to. Yeah. Why don't you do the first one? All right. Hang on a second. Gotta get in the character. <clears throat> Death in the Depths by Aide Smith. This adventure for novice characters is a survival horror scenario. The player characters enter an abandoned world, world mine in search of useful military salvage and become trapped after a rival group of explorers sets off a cave-in. A series of event-based encounters ensue as the monstrous creatures in the depths of the mine are awakened. Will your players escape in time from the death in the depths? And scene. Very nice. Well done. Take that, movie trailer voice guy. In a world where a twisted and deranged cult is rampaging through Wind River Valley, in this adventure for seasoned heroes, they will strive to rescue innocent townsfolk from the clutches of Reverend Obadiah Blank. Can they defeat the cult before the hostages are transformed into more brainwashed cannibals? Find out in the right hand of nothing. Ooh, yeah, me, I got I got tingles over here. That was good. Oh yeah. Jay, would you like to do this, the last one? All right. So what's the last one? Uh, number three. All right. I'm gonna scroll down on mine because I'm half blind. All right, uh, gotcha. Uh, the Trials of Ascension by Aid Smith. All right. Novice characters visit the hanging rocks to take part in a helot tradition, a race to an orb 
orb ship at the center of Breach Zone. Groups will be challenged in a series of mental and physical trials and will need to deal with rival teams in non-lethal ways. What fun's non-lethal? Anyway, back to voice. Uh, this adventure is a great opportunity for GMs to introduce new NPCs, let the player characters make new social connections, and lay the groundwork for future expeditions into the after. Sweet. Nice. I'm still all the murder hobo style, so I'm I'm totally digging the uh, <laughs> totally yeah, digging right. just go go you know skin bodies. That that middle adventure is for you, buddy. Yes, it sounds like it. <laughs> There's the, a lot um, of crazy cannibal cultists who need a uh, need a firm hand putting back so, down. But... So I, I'm familiar with the the world somewhat because. When uh, when you guys were going to do the RPG uh, anthology, I, I wrote yeah. one, so I, I dove in. Um, luckily, yeah, people that uh, that'll be coming out because the people that wrote in are going to be allowed to publish theirs in an anthology and post apoc. I'll be doing later this year, so so you can oh, yeah. read adventures set in that. I, I talked to John Gibbons; he was nice enough to say, "Go ahead and publish it. Just link back to our stuff." So so they will and, see uh, the light of day. That, that will that is the only the after fiction I'm aware of. Well, there needs to be more. You can, you can get. I bet Sean could write it in his copious spare time. Right, right. Sleep? Who needs sleep? Walt doesn't sleep. Well, there's reasons Walt doesn't sleep. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, most um, game styles have their certain archetypes. So, do you have mm -hmm. a favorite in uh, in the after setting? Um, you mean in terms of character archetypes? Yeah, so like you know, you can have the tank or the whatever. Like oh. how the character classes. I'm new to RPG, so so forgive me if the the verbiage isn't quite right. But but of all the classes of characters you can play in this game. Um, let's see, Sean. How would you answer that one? Well, I think one of the more exciting things about it is uh, what we did with arcane backgrounds. Uh, it's kind of a science fictional post apocalyptic world, so you can't be a wizard. But there are some people that have been altered by nanites, and they have strange powers. So there are some really interesting uh, arcane backgrounds to get into. Uh, there's one of them in particular, the, the the flesh crafters, that can cause effects by giving you momentary mutations, or uh, you know maybe they use it for good to heal you, maybe they don't. Some of them can change shape. Uh, some of them can change other people's shapes. Nice. So, I, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to ask you the same question. If you had a favorite, um, I not going to go for the rules quite so much. But I, in terms of archetypes, um, I'm sharing some art with you. This is I got the last name of Zechariah Cole, right? Sean? Oh yeah, that guy's yeah. awesome. That's a sexy piece of art right there. Yeah, mm -hmm. we, we don't call him an iconic, but I consider him an iconic for this. I think he's a uh, he's a guide who um, you know heads out in, into the breach zones around uh, Wind River Valley, Wyoming, which is the where the after is set. And he's kind of a, you know, Clint Eastwood uh, type, and uh, you know, sort of a you know, sci-fi cowboy, you know, living by a code, trying to do the right thing, you know, in, in a world that's uh, slowly trying to crawl its way back to normal, and you know, while well, thigh deep in weird shit. So, in terms of like fictional archetypes that I think of, I think of the after yeah, it would be guys like this. Okay. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of mileage to be gained out of the the being the scouts and the explorers in the after. So you mentioned the breach zone, and that was going to be my next question because I think one of the things you did differently is the way you did the terrain uh, in the universe, which is obviously going to be uh, impacted by the expansions. Is that you had certain zones that were affected in unique ways, 
by the events that ha that happened be the before, I guess. So do you guys want to talk a little bit about the, the various terrain types that you came up with? Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, what ha what happened to uh, in the before times in the old world, uh, there was an alien race called the Butchers that showed up and just wrecked humanity, uh, doing the, the classic, uh, you know, 50s sci-fi thing of, of wanting to gather up all of our organic resources and, and basically do terrible things with people. But what made these breach zones is when their mortal enemies, uh, the ghosts, came out of their extra-dimensional breach area twisting time and space uh, and in the areas where their presence was the strongest and where their battles uh, between the butchers and the ghosts were the, the, the most fierce, you had the very surface of the earth twisted up. Uh, and what was left behind was breach zones, places where the laws of physics don't apply. Maybe parts of other worlds and other dimensions were uh, brought into our world. Uh, in, in our vision of it, they don't really shift and change. They're here to stay, uh, but they're really kind of bizarre, which gives a great outlet for GMs that want to get super crazy. Uh, what you see on the screen is some art from a zone called the Verdant, which is this big alien rainforest type jungle place full of bizarre creatures. And people tend to explore into it in search of resources. You can find food, uh, furs, but more importantly, you might be able to find the next miracle drug since regular human science doesn't work anymore, but if you can find berries that will cure your ills, you could strike it rich. And all, all of the breach zones come with uh, plot hooks and adventure ideas. Nice. So uh, I remember when some of the art from the from the first um, RPG book that that we we uh, shared when we interviewed you guys on the Sci-Fi um, Shenanigans podcast was the uh, the the sort of LSD trippy look to it. Like it was straight out of some seventies drug fueled uh, romp. So um, was, was, <laughs> was that carried on as you expanded? Oh, uh, yep, that's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot of weird shit in there. I mean, some of the breach, there was this one was called, do you remember Sean? I don't remember that one. I got the previous page here. Uh, this one's the blight. Oh, the blight. The blight might be our weirdest zone. You know what's funny is I wrote that before I saw this movie, but um, I saw the movie Annihilation after the book came out, and it reminds me in some ways of the blight. Nice. They're not exactly alike, um, but there are some similarities. If you spend too long in the blight, you're going to become like the blight. Your body's going to do some really, really strange stuff. So people tend to make very quick trips in, quick trips out. And the reason people go in there is that aside from the strange mutating effect of the blight, uh, and aside from the weird creatures that live there, uh, most everything else from the old world is still there untouched. So if you could make it into the ruins of the old town and maybe break into that safe in the bank, who knows what you'd find? Maybe you could find some books that have been untouched and bring them back to the librarians in your home base of chapter uh, and, and get some kind of big kudos for that. Uh, there are reasons to go into these places aside from just, well, they're there. Um, yeah, the, the Blight has the only working skee-ball arcade left in North America. <laughs> well, that's a reason enough right there. And the, the, the page you've got on the screen right there, the Hanging Rocks, that's a, a place where there are all these bizarre Earth islands that hover in the air, and gravity's kind of strange, so you can jump between them without too much trouble. Uh, and there's a whole ecosystem of weird creatures that live there. Uh, and we actually have an adventure in the upcoming uh, 
adventure anthology that is going to be set in that Breachstone. Uh, the Trials of Ascension take place uh, in the in the area you're seeing on the screen there. Nice. That's some some good artwork. Is that that was John Gibbons' work? Oh yeah. Uh, whole book is John. Yeah. It's um. Uh, Kind of his a lot of the tone of the game, I think, has come through John's art, and uh, yeah, no stock art in the whole book, and there's original artwork uh, every page or two. So it's um, it's uh, I think we've been asked questions about how you make the setting immersive, and I'm like, well, you know, reading the book is kind of an immersive experience because it's it's almost a uh, it's almost a coffee table art book of John's stuff. Oh my, that's and, glorious picture right there. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. That's it's the a Yeti on crack. Yeah, yeah, it's that's um, I that makes me want to play in the setting right there. I would like to be one of those guys going, "Oh shit, oh shit," um, you know. Bet they wish they were back on Tatooine. <laughs> I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. converters. <laughs> uh, Star Wars references, I love it. So that's um, that's interesting. So what um. Obviously, we mentioned John did the art, but Sean, what was your role in creating this RPG? Well, um, I, I wrote uh, everything in the book with the exception of a couple of the adventures that we brought in uh, other authors to help with. I, um, I, 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 I hate to correct you, Sean. I think I wrote at least six pieces of gear. <laughs> okay, that, that's legit. Well, he did say almost, so he qualified it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. That is okay. fair. Okay. But, we uh, call yeah. that rules lawyering. Yeah. <laughs> John gave me a uh, pretty free reign as long as we stuck to the tone that he was interested in. Um, so I was able to put together a lot of the locations, a lot of the, uh, the factions uh, to write deeper histories on some of the NPCs that he had in mind. Uh, and I really tried to seed the book uh, cover to cover with plot hooks. And what about you, Mike? What was your role besides the six pieces of gear? The six, don't, don't minimize what I did. That's my writing. Um, <laughs> well, I do write more than six pieces of gear in a lot of books. Um, for this one, my role was um, kind of production, you know, project manager, trying to keep things on schedule, trying to, um, you know, poke the artist, poke the writer, poke the layout guy, uh, try to get things to let, you know, I was, uh, I was like the guy behind stage at the Van Halen show, you know, with a cigarette and a clipboard going, God damn it. So um, that was that was basically me for this book, and it's. Um, I know it seems like we just wrote it yesterday, but John and I started talking about this. Oh God, four years ago, and we brought Sean in shortly after that initial conversation. So this has been a uh, uh, a, a labor, labor of love, love. Yeah. for many years. So yeah, yeah you you did a lot of good work with the uh, print on demand folks too. Did I? What, what? what wasn't it you that put that together? Um, Refresh my memory. I'm an old guy. You're gonna have to help me out here, but oh, I, I just I, I I certainly wasn't the one that made arrangements to have this beautiful hardback book printed. Oh, uh, Craig Williams, uh, John's one of John's great British friends, um, did the layout, and he does a fantastic job. And um, we have uh, anyone who's done print on demand through Direct RPG slash Lightning Source will tell you that sometimes they can be a bear. And uh, Craig cracked the code a few years ago on another project, so it uh, went really smoothly. So yeah. So I've got to ask the chicken or the egg question, which came first, the amazing idea for this universe or the art? Um, that would be a good question for John. But uh, I think just the way John works, he starts drawing stuff that, in that interests him. And um, he has always been a big fan of me. He's British. And they're, they're all into Judge Dredd and 2000 AD. And 
there's a lot of dystopian, you know, that kind of stuff in there. And John was a big fan of an old Soviet Cold War era sci-fi book called Roadside Picnic. And um, it's a hard book to find. Um, whew, written by Arkady and Boris Strugetsky in the 70s. And uh, the concept is very similar to what you see in the after. There's been an invasion. The aliens are gone now. And you've got all these weird breach zones where shit just ain't right anymore. And, um, you know, that's why it's called Roadside Picnic, because it's kind of like insects or ants looking at the leftovers from your picnic, you know. And, um, you know, there's scavengers who go into those places and take out the exotic tech to, you know, try to sell it or whatever. And um, kind of from that concept is, uh, you know, sort of poking that along with his love of Westerns and to kind of mush together. And it uh, went from there. So I know we we're running low on time. So was there um, anything that surprised you about this game as you did your play testing? Let's see, Sean, you've actually run several times at Gen Con, right? Yeah, Once. yeah. We, we had some play test sessions at Gen Con that went really well. Uh, and I think the big thing that really made me happy was how much people leaned into all the the new crazy stuff that was in the world. There are two new alien races you can play. Uh, there's another race called the Changed, uh, where certain things have happened to their body, where they might have all kinds of strange new abilities. Uh, there are the new arcane backgrounds we talked about, and those were all the things we tried to lean on in playtesting. Uh, and people were really creative about using their abilities and, and really enthusiastic about the setting. Okay. Um, so, like I said, we're short on time. So is there any plan to expand plat the the settings past the Wyoming area? Uh, I think it's fair to say, Jay, we're kind of at a crossroads about what we do next with the after. Um, this Kickstarter has been successful, and um, we just unlocked an additional adventure for it that Sean's going to be writing on or working on. And um, I'm not sure where we're going to go next. Um, there's, you know, some people have said, why don't we do something on the East Coast, West Coast, Europe? Um, I, I'm not sure. So if you get any ideas, let us know. We're trying to figure out where we're going next. I don't know, Sean, what do you think? Well, I mean, there are certainly areas of the world that we could dive into. It does mean making, you know, potentially a whole new book. It's a whole new setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be wildly different on the East Coast. Fair enough. So was there anything else about the after? I know this is quick. So uh, in um, consideration for you, dear listener or viewer over on the YouTubes, um, I will pull the old interview out of the archives and I'll bump it up the list and get that out next week for you. So it uh, should be right after this airs. You'll get the, the full list where we talked about the first uh, the first time in, I guess, two years ago when the after was still a Kickstarter. Um, but um, so is there anything else you want to tell us before we, we get some uh, contact links and wrap this pony up? Um, I guess we could finish on a joke and say we're going to do the after in Japan and have it all be ninjas. Or, uh, no? Okay. Yeah. Wait, you were joking? That actually could be fun. <laughs> I was trying to think, what's the most cliched gamer thing we could do? Well, actually, actually, I guess the most cliched, cliched thing these days would be if we did it, uh, the after, but have it be in England and things, everything's just oddly steampunk for no good reason. <laughs> all right. So, so as sorry. we bring... Okay. Um, I know you've got kids to put to bed. So as we bring this puppy to a close, Mike, can you tell uh, listeners and viewers how they can find you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Twitter as the BAMP Podcast. I'm on Facebook as BAMP Podcast and uh, Fainting Goat Games. 
And you can find me on DriveThruRPG as Fainting Goat Games. And uh, those are probably the best ways. Okay. And I will get all those links from you and add them to the show notes um, later offline. And what about you, Sean? How can viewers and or listeners find you if they want to find out more about what you're doing? Oh, well, probably the best way is to hit me up on Twitter, uh, at Unbinder. Okay. That's a unique name. Is there a story there? Not yet. It's one that's been percolating in the back of my head. It's a book I'd like to write someday. All righty. And that is Sean Noakes and Mike Lafferty over at uh, the Fainting Goat Games. Is it Fainting Goat that produced this one? Uh, yeah, in collaboration with Jade Monkey, which is uh, John's studio. Okay. And you can find us, dear listener, on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters, tech, and tech blades anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades you can find us on twitter at sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com we promise we check it at least once a year um we've got a facebook group which is facebook.com backslash blasters and blades podcast and if you want to support the show and help keep the lights on and the sacred holy bean water coming it is buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley please be sure to put in the comment section that's for the podcast so i make sure that uh seska and nick garber get some of their their coffee as well or bourbon whatever they're doing these days uh thank you for spending some of your precious time for us for nick garber and doc seska i am jr hanley and this was the blasters and blades podcast we'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture cheesy jokes and all things that go boom and now we have the awkward pause